Salutations on a Sunday from the Sandman. That's the new nickname I gave myself. So deal with it. Because today has been kind of rough. And uh, I mean, not like normal person rough, but for me rough, which is like probably 10% of a normal person's rough day. And I'm just going to power through it. And I'm going to turn it around with positive vibes on this podcast because this is what it is. This is uh, me squeegeeing out some sunshine today because I was going to knock out an awesome topic with my podcast partner, Morris George Shapiro, at 8.30 p.m. today. But unfortunately, he can't because he has a job. Uh, He's also a firefighter and he has three kids. He didn't give me like a specific excuse as to why he couldn't today. But I mean, he can just, you know, roll the dice and like pick one of the excuses. I'm sure he is a busy guy. So I get left in the dust. So so we were going to talk about like the best montages for getting a crew back together in movies and TV. And I was stoked, you know, fuck, I mean, freaking excellent topic. And I did a bunch of research today and couldn't even sleep yesterday because he told me about it around 3 p.m. yesterday. So started watching some clips, started, you know, taking some notes. And then at like three, four in the morning, I was like, oh, I didn't take enough notes. You know, I mean, like all like good ideas are going to slip through. So, but I didn't want to write notes because when you get right, when you write notes uh, late at night, it kind of geeks me up and then I got to stay up later. But then I worried about the fact that I wasn't writing notes. So I ended up staying up later anyways. So next time just write the notes. That's what I'm going to do. This is like Woody Allen, illogical. Uh, New York ranty kind of logic. So need to get out of my own head, I guess. And also don't refer to Woody Allen because he's a creep and a weirdo. And yeah, he made some good movies in the 70s, but screw him. He's just a weird guy. And didn't think I was going to bring up Woody Allen, but here we are. And so today at like 1, 2 p.m., I started churning out a bunch of notes. You know, I organized the action movie montages, the comedy kind of make fun of the uh, montage montages, and like the bank and movie heist montages. You know, there's there's different distinct categories. And it's actually, I mean, they, if you're taking notes on this stuff, you got to get all the quotes in. You need to know the names of all the people because... A lot gets jammed in in these like two to three minutes. So unless you're talking, if you're, unless you're pulling like specific details out, it doesn't come out like you know anything. And you kind of just are left going uh, over and over again as I practiced it. So I needed to get six, seven pages of notes in and I nailed it by like 5.30 p.m. And lo and behold, uh, as the gods would have it, Morris texted me at 5.31 p.m saying he couldn't do it and need to reschedule for Tuesday. And that just let the air out of my uh, emotional tires. Just, you know, just, I picture like a balloon when you let go of it and it makes that sad noise that just kind of like flies throughout the room, that kind of thing. So I had to change topics and I didn't have one ready. And I'm, when you don't have one ready, you're just, you feel a little naked. And I tried to rack my brain on what I could talk about for a while and what I like, and what I enjoy, and what would be fun for me to listen to later as I walk the dogs later, because this is kind of the soundtrack to me meandering through the neighborhood at one, two in the morning, which I'm, I hope no one's up at that point and just seeing me out, because I'm kind of walking like a drunk person. I'm just kind of, you know, slowly kind of 
no real pathway, you know, sober. Don't worry. I don't, I don't drink and walk, but, uh, I'm just kind of zigging and zagging throughout the neighborhood with these two giant hundred pound black cloud dogs, Newfoundlands that are on this metal chain. And I wonder what it looks like from an outside perspective. Do I look intimidating? I mean, I have a bunch of tattoos, but I'm pretty goofy, but it is dark at night. So who knows what people see when they see me? Although I've checked like the neighborhood watch message boards and there's nothing, I mean, these people are pretty dedicated to reporting on anything fishy or anything, you know, uh, out of the ordinary and nothing about me. So I think we're good. I think people know who I am and are at least not intimidated too much. So that's good. Oh, and there's the dogs right there because, yep, there they go. I have to leave the windows open all the time because the uh, the window blinds, if I put them down, when they jump up and see something out the window, they could possibly scratch the window blinds and ruin them. And the window blind, does anyone else think window blinds are overpriced? It's basically just paper mache and they're charging like 900 bucks a window. It seems like highway robbery. Like in the next life, I want to get in on the window treatment scheme because it seems like a giant scam and they're all just kind of in a room laughing their butts off because they are ripping us off. And speaking of ripoffs and thieves, the movie I wanted to talk about was the 1995 classic Scorsese film Casino. And I feel like this movie doesn't get enough love in the Scorsese lexicon because everyone, you know, Will Wall Street's the funniest movie the last 10 years. Goodfellas is everyone's, oh, the mob is the coolest thing ever movie. And in his Mount Rushmore, there's Taxi Driver and there's, God, what was the other one? Raging Bull. There we go. So those are the kind of the four that he's remembered for and, you know, known best for. And this one is just as good, if not better. And, you know, I love Goodfellas to death, but this is like Goodfellas' older brother. Because if you think about Goodfellas and the people and the time it conveys, it's in the 60s. It's in kind of a New York, New Jersey, tri-state area. And it's kind of small-time mob. You know what I mean? It's like they're stealing a couple hundred thousand here. They're robbing uh, they're robbing trucks on the highway. They have kind of like little schemes and little grifts. And it doesn't seem, I mean, they're organized crime. But like, it's a, you know, it's a cute little outfit. in Casino, they are kind of creating and running Las Vegas and skimming millions of dollars from casinos. I mean, that is, that is good fellas on steroids. I mean, that is such a cooler plot and they, they really do run with it too. I mean, you get all the details of kind of, cause this was a true story for the most part. It was based on a book by Nicholas Pileggi, I believe. And it's based on a gamble, uh, on a, on a gambling kind of guru uh, in the Midwest. And that's played by Robert De Niro. His name's Ace Rothstein. And the mob picked him to run their casinos, I believe it was the Stardust, in the early and late 70s and early 80s. And they basically just took 25% off the top and kind of just <laughs> did what they wanted. And it is just, I mean, it's a three-hour movie. And you don't get bored. There's so much detail. And, I mean, like, the costuming is just fantastic it's just i mean it's just pure 70s it's just pastel colors on men uh chinchilla 
coats for you know the women and unbelievable bedazzled cocktail dresses and just 10 foot long Cadillacs and just tacky interior design. My God, I mean, like the 70s were a wild time. I can't imagine being alive then. I might have just a seizure from looking at all the colors and the zebra print and all the weird, the weird fashion choices. I mean, this movie, they spend a million dollars on the costume design and that seems low to me. It seems like in one scene, they spent a million dollars. So good for them. I mean, that, that's, I mean, you can just look at this movie, you can put it on mute. And you'd still be like, hmm, this is this is fantastic to watch. And up oh, there the dogs go again. Yeah, given given an attitude to someone across the street. Yeah, girls. I get it. Yep. This is why I do it. This is why I do my podcast usually when it's completely dark out, so they don't see something. But this is like 921. It's getting it's getting dark later. Yep, there they go. Ah, <laughs> oh, they're killing me. But good thing. I mean, this is this is how I improv. This is how I adapt. It's like, what's the deal with dogs today? Just do a Seinfeld bit about dogs. And silence. There we go. And so, I mean, the the movie starts off with Robert De Niro getting into a car. His name's Ace Rothstein in the movie. And it's a pink Cadillac. And it blows up. And that's that's the first moment of the movie. And the credits roll while he's exploding in the sky. Like he's flying through the explosion as the credits are rolling. And you're like, what am I watching? It is, I mean... Scorsese just adores these kind of weird little worlds that he gets to kind of open up to the general public. He's just fascinated by the criminal underground. And also I think, I think he likes Vegas. I mean, it definitely shows. I mean, the way he illustrates Vegas, they actually filmed at a real casino. They filmed at the Rivera uh, from midnight to like 8am four days a week for the like entirety of the shoot. So, I mean, while, the casinos look real. It's because they actually did them in real life Las Vegas casinos. And they kind of just give you all the details about how the slot machines work, how they deal with uh, cheaters and all. I mean, there's this one scene where this one guy is giving Morse code about what the dealer is holding via some kind of little device on his thigh. And the way Ace Rothstein deals with it is he gets he he call, gets on a phone and he says give me Mr. Happy and you're like what's what's Mr. Happy is there going to be like a 9 foot guy that just beats the crap out of this other guy i mean like what's going to happen i mean i was expecting i couldn't tell you what i was expecting the first time but i was intrigued and then four kind of showgirls with a birthday cake give it to one of the dealers to distract everybody and one of the pit bosses takes a electronic cattle prod and shocks the guy so I mean, like they're doing the birthday cake, so no one sees that. And they're like, oh my God, he just had a heart attack. And they take him in the back. They use a sledgehammer and crush his hand and then make him rat on his friend. And then that's how they kind of deal with uh, all the uh, the ruffians or the uh, the thieves that come into their place. And he's, he's talking about it saying like, they would come back with beards and wigs. And it's like, I mean, he just, the amount of detail, you can tell this is based on a book from someone who knew what was actually going on because the details are just too perfect for anyone to fake. Like uh, the guy who's protecting uh, De Niro's character, his name's Nicky Santoro. It's played, played by Joe Pesci, you know, basically a more powerful, more insane version of his tough guy from Goodfellas, which I didn't think was possible. But in this movie, he puts another rival gangster's head in a vice and almost like pops the guy's eye out. And fun fact about that, 
uh, Scorsese put that in the movie actually so that the like FCC regulators uh, would flag that and think the other things weren't as uh, violent. Like it was almost like take this out of the movie. So, or like think this is as bad as it could possibly be because I want to get my other stuff in. And they approved the vice scene. He didn't think he was going to come into the movie. So he was just shocked and that just entered in the movie. So props to Scorsese and props to, you know, the regulators because we need to see uh, mob guys heading the vice. It's important. It's, you know, a life lesson. And Joe Pesci is Nicky Santoro is just fantastic. I mean, he's just, he's got to be five foot four, five foot five, maybe. And he's the scariest guy I think I've ever seen on camera. He's just terrifying because he just carries himself with this kind of, there's something like Joker ass. He's a little bit like he'll laugh and have fun with you, but then he flicks his switch on and he's just nuts. Like there was a scene early on where Ace Rothstein tries to give a pen to somebody and because he thought the person at the bar lost it. And the person says like, screw off to Robert De Niro and uh, Nikki just takes the pen and stabs the guy repeatedly in the neck. And I think the Rolling Stones are playing in the background. It's like a smoky, silent kind of bar. And then there's this, uh, then Ace Rothstein gets on, I mean, the voiceover and he's like, you come at Nikki with a bat. It's like, you better kill him because he's going to come back at you with a knife. And like, if you come at him with a knife, he'll come back at with a gun. And if he comes at you with a gun, you better shoot him until he's dead because he's going to keep coming and coming until one of you is dead. And it's just like, that's the definition of the dogged determination and insanity that is Joe Pesci. It was just, it was a good summation of how freaking crazy he is. I mean, he's just, how could someone that small be that intimidating? But I guess the guy he's playing uh, in the movie, the real guy, his name was uh, Tony the Ant. And I saw some pictures of him and he looks pretty identical to Joe Pesci. So I guess, I guess there's something Napoleon going on with him. You know what I mean? I haven't actually looked up like the greatest villains in movies. If there, if there's any short ones in particular, but I think in real life, actually, I mean, being short kind of, I made this me being tall and being snobby and being like, Oh yeah, short people, they're crazy or they're violent. But I think, I think there's something to be said that short people kind of have a chip on their shoulder and that can lead to some serious violent behavior. So ladies, if you're going to bring a guy home, make sure he's tall. That's all I have to say. And so the movie kind of just shows this rise and fall of them running these casinos. And I think Sam even says it that like we had it. Well, this is a ace Sam Rothstein, by the way. So uh, he's like, we had it all. We had, you know, dream heaven on earth and we blew it. And I think that's maybe why this movie is not brought up so much because the first hour and a half, two hours, it's just so fun. You know, they're showing how they built up the casino, how Nikki took to the streets and became the king of kind of the mob part of Las Vegas. And the last hour, hour and a half are just a bummer. (laughs) But it's just, I mean, it's the real life downfall of how Sam got too big for his britches and got kind of arrogant. And Nikki kind of got addicted to drugs and also to power and was just too much in the news. And they eventually kind of lost everything. And pretty much everyone in the movie dies at the end. I mean, spoiler, spoiler alert, but I mean, it's 25 years ago. So that's your own fault at this point. I blame you. And it's just, I mean, 
there's like even the music is just oh god how how can anyone be this sad and this depressed because they keep making mistakes over and over and it's weird that you're rooting for them but they don't really ever give you anyone else that exists in this world like you don't I, I couldn't name one cop in this movie and i don't think they really introduced the law as part of this you know scorsese's always been fascinated by the criminals of the world and this movie is not much different and you know you have robert de niro doing the voiceover and Joe Pesci doing a voiceover too. And you're just like, these guys, these, these are my guys, you know, I'm going to root for them. And, you know, they're going to get away with it all because, because I mean, they're charming. They're just fun. And it's a nice contrast too, because De Niro, some very rarely plays this kind of quiet reserved kind of sees the whole board kind of guy. I mean, he plays that way in heat. He's the Neil McCullough and it's just that quiet power from him rather than, because sometimes he's just, over the top and intense and, you know, kind of foreboding and menacing. And this, it's that quiet power. And I, that's my favorite De Niro, I think, is this in Heat, where he's playing, you know, seven-dimensional chess while we're playing tic-tac-toe. It just seems like he's got it all figured out. And Nikki is just, you know, all fire and brimstone. And who better to play a, a mobster like that except Joe Pesci. And they show him a softer side too. Like even when he gets home at six in the morning, he always came home to make his son, Nicky Jr. Pancakes. And it's the cutest scene ever. He makes pancakes for his kid and he goes, how much butter? And the little kid in the, like the little kiddest voice goes, it's like just a little, cause otherwise it clogs your heart. And there's a beat. And then uh, Nicky's like, yeah, oh my God, I love you. You're such a good boy. And he kisses him on the head. And it almost, <laughs> it almost absolves him from all the, murder and shenanigans that he's been doing because he's i mean he's a terrible terrible person but they show they show the charming fun side of him too and so yeah the last hour and a half i mean uh sam marries ginger mckenna great name by the way who's played by sharon stone and my god i mean this might be sharon stone's best role it's this or basic instinct she just kind of had this power just sexuality where she's like this somewhere between 30 and 40 year old fully developed woman. You know I mean? There's something very kind of adult about her, but it's just, she's just, I mean, she's just a gravitational force. Like you can tell the first time Sam sees her, he sees her on one of the uh, casino security screens and they freeze frame because he's just like instantly in love. And she's hustling a guy at a craps table out of his money and ends up throwing all the chips up and kind of looking at Sam, like, what are you going to do about it? And he fell in love right there is the voiceover. And you can see why. And you can also see why she falls apart and why this marriage was never meant to be. Uh, she still is in love with her pimp, who is played to perfection by the sleazy god himself. Hey, I mean, he played Hades in a Disney movie. I mean, if that's not a resume for sleaze, I don't know what is. Uh, James Wood has Lester Diamond. Great word. Great name, too. Anyone named Lester, just, it's just not fun to say Lester. Yeah. I mean, it's just not, it's not a powerful name. It's a sleaze bag, you know, it's a con man's name. So props to whoever named these people, by the way. So I need to figure out who did that. But so she keeps running back to him and Ace is just, you know, upset with his wife and they have a kid and a pretty tumultuous home relationship. And I mean, that's a rough watch. She is just, when she cuts her hair super short and that, I need to talk to the manager. Uh, my name is Karen kind of way. 
uh, you know there's trouble. And she's probably she's probably the greatest actress at yelling kind of frantically and frivolously at her husband on like the neighborhood lawn, embarrassing uh, the husband for kind of all the neighbors to see. I think she has that corner locked. Like she's the best at that. It's a very specific skill, but I mean, she is, that is the last person you want, you know, crashing their car on your, in your mailbox and screaming at you while the neighbors watch in like, you just don't want that. And so props to Sharon Stone. This role was like made for her. I couldn't tell if she was better in this or basic instinct. They're very different movies. This is more like real life acting. And that one's more pulpy, ridiculous, uh, sexual pseudo-sexual Hitchcock kind of vibe. I have to think about it. It's kind of, it's a coin toss. I could take Sharon Stone either way, but, uh, and also you forget how gorgeous she was. I think the first time Joe Pesci's character meets her, uh, they do a triple pan to her, which I've never seen before in a movie. Like they like focus in on her, cut it, focus again, cut it. And then focus one more time. And she's wearing like this purple kind of crop top with, uh, long arms on the shirt and these yellow or these beige high-waisted yoga pants. And she looks like she came off Mount Olympus. Like she looks like, you know, a Greek goddess of just kind of love and I don't know, sexuality, I guess. But I mean, how can you, I mean, I you understand why Ace kind of screws up his whole life because of this woman uh, he's thinking with the wrong part of his body, I believe. And we'll leave it at that. So, I mean, the last hour, like I said, super rough. I mean, you even see Nikki, uh, he has to watch his own brother get beaten to death with baseball bats in the middle of a cornfield before he dies, before they, like, bury them both bloody and alive in the middle of a ditch in the cornfield. So that's a, that's a harsh way <laughs> to end the movie. I think that's why this movie isn't rewatched by most people. But my family always jokes, this is kind of our family movie. You know, we end up, we all watched it a billion times and we all talk about it a bunch although we haven't talked about it uh often lately so maybe i'll bring it back up and i just love when someone gets involved in a world especially i mean like las vegas is such a unique place especially in the 70s and 80s as it was just kind of advancing and you could still pull off these shenanigans at such a high level i mean this is the penult i mean this is the top of the mountain of organized crime you are grifting from a cash machine i mean like if any if any businesses are bulletproof i mean that it's casinos i mean it's just you're allowed to print money and they got to steal whatever they wanted from it i mean that is that is crazy to think about that that actually happened and maybe i'll watch it tonight and maybe that'll that'll kickstart something in me actually i hope it doesn't because i said i'm easily influenced maybe i'll try to try to rob a casino after this and so maybe i won't watch it because i don't i don't need to rob a casino and i'd be bad at it i'd be nervous i'd sweat they would i mean they got all those cameras nah i mean i'm not gonna do that but it was a fun movie and it's definitely worth a watch so i would recommend that you watch it too if you're not doing anything if you got three hours to kill i mean it's the pandemic so you got time and this is like i said i think there's a lot of people out there who haven't seen it so if you're one of those people, go see it right now. And that's an order. And that's how I'm ending things. Bye.